Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Westcliff Climb. I'm Pastor Joshua Duffy. It is so good to be here with you. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by a French water company. There it is. I'm supposed to turn it sideways. Just kidding. No, it's not. I don't even know why I drink. The, I don't know why I drink sparkling. Most of, most sparkling water is not very good. My wife has now got us hooked on a certain kind that is it's actually stellar. Like when it's really cold for the first 90 seconds, you forget that you're drinking water. That's how good it is. And it has no added whatever. This, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to get into it. I think that's what it is. Once it becomes room temp, I'm like, eh, it's water. Actually, doesn't even taste that good. So anyway, I digress. Uh, today we're talking about um, mentored or being a mentor. Uh, you know, if you're out there and you're someone who uh, has never been under someone else's wing, or if, uh, you know, you've never taken someone under your wing, I think uh, that would be hard to believe to some degree. But actually, I mean, you're really you're really missing out. And uh, I took the opportunity to uh, to, to make a video uh, about one particular individual, Jay Mondick. I have to tell you that I have I've had a number of people um, that have played a certain role in my life. And what was what was cool about going into making the video and probably like many of you listening, you take stock over how many people have poured into your life that have helped to form who you are to this day. And I don't know if you've ever done that, if you've ever taken the time to consider that. But, um, you know, hopefully that's a long list. And if it's a decently long list throughout different chapters and phases of your life, consider yourself incredibly blessed. Um, you know, I look back on, I had a fantastic youth minister and I, I could probably have done a video about him. Um, my small group leader growing up, um, Joel Eisenbraun was stellar. Mike Hinkfoot stellar. Um, they had huge impact on my life and my formative, uh, you know, junior high years and then moving even into high school as well. Um, you know, just some people that you could really talk to and, and work through things in life as well. Um, Jay just hit me at a particular interesting time about, uh, mid high school, um, in that, uh, you know, he had, he had accomplished athletically everything that I would ever have dreamt. And, uh, as I began to learn his story, um, the other thing that struck me is he, he not only had achieved everything I thought, I thought in sports that I would want to achieve, he also did everything um, socially <laughs> that I thought that most teenage guys would be like, well, yeah, that sounds like fun, you know? And then you would hear him tell the story of like someone who actually did those things, you know, actually lived this kind of a life. And when you would listen to him, you'd find out real quick, like, oh, that's a train wreck. Oh, you mean that story ends badly? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a tough sell to teenagers to just tell them not to do certain things just because, you know, that's one of the things we do with like recovering youth group kids is we tell them the do's and the don'ts. And, um, and, and, and sometimes I don't know that we mean to make it about fear and shame, but that's, that can be one of the weapons or one of the ways that it comes across, even if it's not intentional is don't do this, don't do that. Uh, because you make, you know, you're going to make Jesus cry. Or don't do this, don't do that, um, you know, because you're going to get some disease or whatever. And the problem is when you're a younger person, 
you're always convinced that that's not going to happen to you. You're always convinced you're going to be the outlier and it's, you know, you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. That's why we, we put, you know, we kick 18 year olds out of the back of airplanes in the middle of the night over some war torn country because they think it's not going to happen to them. There aren't many 40 year olds doing that besides the fact that their knees and their back are terrible. They're already like, Ooh, this could go bad for me. It's just a different mentality when you're younger. And so I think the messaging, especially for those of us that maybe grew up in that, in that period in time of life in, in youth ministry, it was awesome. It was beautiful. It was powerful. And, and it's probably a mixture of the cultural messaging and experiences with one another, whatever it may be, but you, you, that's a hard sell. And it may all be true. It may be that, you know, like that's not God's will. His heart breaks for you when you go take a left turn instead of a right. It's, it's not false, but what you begin to take from it is maybe there's, that's not going to happen to me. And so uh, a guy like Jay to come along and be like, hey, man, like this is how this is going to go. And what was cool that we didn't really get to touch on is this dude just crushed me in the weight room, destroyed me, destroyed me. Uh, so it was pretty, pretty rough. One time we did something called the circle of death. Uh, that's a, that's a catchy name. Um, and it is what, uh, at the time, what he had described some variation or version or some name of that similar, whatever, at one point the Oakland Raiders were using to kind of weed out their, their rookies. And I think the whole workout was like, was like 11 minutes long or nine minutes long. And, and then I spent the next 40 minutes in his office. It was like all my innards hurt (laughs) from it. I'd never experienced such complete exhaustion. (laughs) as I did in that moment. So he had another thing at his disposal, which was to break me physically. And in breaking me physically, my mind and my heart would open up to what he wanted to tell me. Um, You know, and that's kind of the other thing about young people. You know, I was a a chaplain uh, for Tomball High School's football team for a number of years. And you you could have a, a five years, actually, you could have you know, a kid who's, he's unstoppable. He's the guy. I, I'll never forget. We, there was this one particular player. Like he was, he, he was pretty good. And uh, I remember a pass right before halftime and the, and the kid was cocky. You know, he's, he's probably 16, 17, 18 years old. And he's just, he's a stud receiver. So, you know, he's got that whole thing going on that whole air, you know, I remember right before halftime, there must be three to 5,000 people in the stands, maybe more. There's the ball, right? Wide open. The ball hits him in the hip and he drops it. (laughs) That was the only window of time going into the locker room in which I was able to have an honest exchange with this kid. It was the only time ever. Why? Because physically, his physicality had let him down. And there's something beautiful about that, especially with young people. If you can break them down physically, then you can kind of, especially dudes, you can open up their mind and their heart to listen. When they reach an exhaustion point, they'll listen to you. I don't know what that is about us guys, you know, especially when we're younger, especially when you're you're younger, you just think you can manhandle and overcome anything physically. And, you know, when, when you kind of make this connection, when you're thinking about like, on a, on a spiritual level, you make this connection to, to the life and the ministry of Jesus. You just take a step back and, and look at the fact that basically that's what he was doing. You know, we, we, we think of the disciples as being like these old men, you know, they may have lived to be 
a little bit older or, or quite a bit older in some cases. I, I, I think if you look at the text and you look at the culture, these guys are being recruited as teenagers in all honesty. And so they're being picked up. The disciples at that time, are, they're young dudes. Um, and, and that if you if you start framing Peter when he first be, you know gets recruited by Jesus and you look at some of the things he says and does, it starts to make sense. Like, you know, like walk on water. No problem. When do you want it done? You know, I got it. Right. Uh, he's always kind of in protective mode of Jesus. To me, it's it's a relatively young guy thing to do to take out a blade in the garden and cut a guy's ear off. And especially because you probably weren't aiming for his ear. Right. But like that, that don't mess with my boy kind of thing. Um, and so I if you look at what Jesus did, I think there's some similar tactics there. You know, every time the disciples turn around, they are uh, put in one scenario after another to where their physical gifting, their their own mentality and mindset could not overcome the situations that they were in. And you see it's just a steady buildup for three years, you know. Every time they turn around, they're paddling in a boat in the middle of the night up against the wind, or there's a terrible storm that's hitting them and they're not getting anywhere or they're terrified of the weather of what's happening to them. He's breaking them. He's breaking. And then he would show up, you notice, and he shows up I'm like, oh, what's the problem? You know, I was sleeping. You know, like, and, and like, that's all part of that thing. Like the disciples is young dudes. Jesus has got to break them down physically. Because young, especially young guys, physically, they just think they can overcome it. They can overpower it. And if you look at the ministry, they're constantly in situations. There's 5,000 people just counting the men. How are we supposed to feed them? You know, and they're all out of ideas. They're out of ideas. Their physical gifts won't do it. They're brought to the end of themselves, so to speak. And um, there it is, you know, like then they're ready to listen. Then they're ready to learn. Um, there are times when they're trying to cast out uh, one one particular time in the Gospels. They're trying to cast out demons. It's not working. Why? It's there's one thing to just kind of leverage Jesus's name. It's another thing to have Jesus go before you and the Holy Spirit go before you and do that work. Right. And they're just relying on themselves and they got their butts handed to them. <laughs> and so then Jesus is like, what's with this perverse and lost generation, when are they ever going to figure it out? Bring the demon-possessed person over here. You know, I like, I love it. Like, it's like, it's, you know, it's like he was at a doctor's office, you know, next, I got it. I'll take care of it, you know? So if you look at the disciples, like that's the strategy, break them down, break them down, break them down, put them in one situation after another, socially, physically, um, out in nature, not in nature, around people that are hostile to them. Put them in situations and scenarios over and over and over again where they're outmanned, outgunned, outmatched. And then once they're clear that all of their physicality and their ideas and their strategies stink and isn't going to work, and then they watch Jesus come in and solve it, take care of it, then they're open to what he has to say. You know, then he would teach on the other side of it. So I say all that to say, I mean, I made the video because that that's kind of how things would go down. You know, I'd come in, the guy would crush me, and then we'd talk about life. We'd talk about girls. We'd talk about dating. We'd talk about Christ. What does it mean to be a godly man? What does it mean to to wait until you save yourself from marriage? You know, what does it mean to not go diving off into drugs and alcohol? Like, what what does all that look like? Well, you know, one way you get into a guy's head and his heart is he first break his body. And that was, that is routinely what would happen on that front. 
Um, so I, I wanted to highlight that, just that idea of being mentored, you know, and um, if you're a person out there and you aren't sure about the next step that you take, you know, I would encourage you if you're out there and hear my voice and there's you're at some kind of crossroads in your life, like having a person in your world that's a sounding board that won't judge you, but is godly, man. Don't just surround yourself. If you're out there listening to me and you're trying to work through your marriage or you're trying to work through some part in your business, you're trying to work through some shift in your world and you're not at least having some degree of dialogue with people who've been there and done that, but more importantly are godly, uh, you may very well, in fact, most likely are setting yourself up for some kind of pain and suffering here. So, you know, making sure that the character of the person is not only high, but they're rooted in the faith is huge when you're looking for people to come alongside you um, and and help you in this life um, in, in critical moments in your world. That's just huge, you know? And then the other, the other end of the spectrum, like if you're already in a job or you're in your career or you're in some, some station or season of life where things are rolling pretty good and you see a person 10, 15, 20 years younger than you um, who's, struggling, um, making that connection and praying over that connection and God, um, you know, positioning you to be able to, um, walk with that person is really, really cool. You know, I had somebody, goodness, maybe, um, like in the last six months, I've had a couple of people that are like, Hey, you know, will you, will you, will you mentor me? Will you walk with me? And, one of the things I realized is that in, in a lot of cases, um, and I'm speaking right now more from a male, you know, the male perspective is the number of young guys who never heard, I'm proud of you. Uh, I love you. Um, and as boys, even as boys, like they never heard that, like, man, keep it up, you know, encouragement. Um, what instead what they got is maybe some kind of a negative, put them in a box in a category. You're always going to be a failure. You're never going to make it. Um, or like this limiting culture, family culture that just says you're only ever going to be X, Y, or Z. Um, and so really what, what happens and what I've begun to notice in the relationships where I'm mentoring is, is, uh, we're really stifling young men. Um, because there is like this fine line, right? Like, I'm just, just to speak plainly, like, yeah, we don't want to crank out a bunch of sissies, right? Like we don't, we don't want that. Okay. Out of young men who become, you know, boys who become young men who become men, but like most men that you see that are out of control to this day or do things and make decisions that are out of control. A lot of it is rooted in never getting to work through that stuff. They didn't get to be a boy when they were a boy. And now they're a grown man acting like a boy. That's how it works, right? They didn't get to play King of the Hill with dad. And so now the new King of the Hill is, you know, how many women can I sleep with, right? Um, they didn't know what commitment looked like. They never saw anybody else do it. So this is how they're going to live their lives, you know? Like, so that's that's one of the things I've seen. Like when you think about the mentoring side and I can't, you know, I can, from a ministry standpoint, I can talk about, where um, where young ladies aren't getting what they need necessarily and why that would be good to have 
mentoring relationships as well. But I, a huge one, just speaking as a, as a dude, as a pastor, as a minister, um, that's, that's sorely needing, uh, and sorely wanting. And so looking at that kind of issue with young men where they, they aren't getting to work through their wounds, um, they aren't getting to work through their insecurities, they aren't encouraged, they aren't told that they can do it. And whether they realize it or not, they become kind of um, categorized and defined by either their culture or their family heritage or their lineage or what what their parents said about them or whatever hurts that they went through, you know, if they're the product of divorce or whatever. So like, that's the other thing to be mindful of is if someone comes to you and is like, hey, you know, will you mentor me? Don't be surprised if it's the most basic things, but like, you know, just how do I understand myself? You know, uh, just getting, I find just getting a young man to say like what he's afraid of. Like, what are you afraid of? You know, what scares you? What is it? You know, because if you didn't have a good relationship with your father or whatever growing up and you're, you're prone to keep that stuff way down in deep and make decisions that are actually based on your fear and no one will ever know it. You don't want anyone to ever know it. And so you act a way, you talk a certain way, you live a certain way. Everything is about fear, rejection, hurt, pain, everything else but you never deal with it, you know? And so being able to look at, look at a young dude and be like, what are you afraid of? Right. You wanted, you wanted to be mentored. So what's up? You know, what are you afraid? Well, I'm afraid of yada, 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 yada. Well, then you get to talk to them about what courage looks like. Courage isn't a bunch of people walking around hardwired to not be afraid of anything. That's not courage. That's not courage. <laughs> you know, doing something courageous once actually you could argue might be even naivete, right? Could be ignorance, you know? Um, it's, it's like the second or third time you do something that takes some courage maybe, you know, or when you're in the middle of it going, oh, this is horrible. Right. But courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward in the face of it. Well, the, the mentoring side of that, like just helping people be able to process what's going on. And I would say to you, if you're out there and you're connected to somebody right now, and they seem to be drawn to you, if you're on the mentoring side of it, you know, like. Um, and you're trying to figure out like, how do you do this dance with them? I would really encourage you, even if it's on a professional level, like get down to what are the fears and the worries? Um, you know, like what, what's going on in there? What are, what are the insecurities? What's the pain? Because you would be shocked when you start unpackaging that, how much of the decisions we make are based on avoiding that or not repeating that, not experiencing that or some kind of insecurity, some kind of a lie we've told ourselves that's a limiting factor for ourselves. So this is all like plays into that. So if you're on the mentoring side, I would encourage you just to ask those simple questions and just let the person talk, man. Let the person talk. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, um, women, I think, tend to connect better just facing each other and talking. <laughs> like I have a women's Bible study. Man, I love it. I love it. Like, I hate to admit this, but like we go to, we go to a tea room. Okay. And at first I was uncomfortable to be there. Cause I'm basically the only man. All right. In the whole place. All right. And it's, it's, you know, pinky up tea. That's, that's what's going on. Um, but the dialogue, 
and the interactions as we we dig through scripture is like so good. It's like awesome for a pastor. You know, you put all this time, effort, and energy and money into an education and you ask questions and they ask great questions and they they think deeply on it. And you go back and forth. Like women are so predominantly hardwired to be able to like engage like that, you know? Dudes, not so much. What's interesting about a guy is you can get a guy talking less face to face, but shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> you know, like a guy might very well open up more sitting shoulder to shoulder. Um, and what I mean by that is like sitting next to each other, watching something else. <laughs> like if guys aren't at the topic, there are guys out there and I'm, I'm one of them. I can sit across from somebody and talk to them just fine about my life and everything. But I'm just saying the majority, you'll learn more about them doing something else and making something else the focus of what's happening. And in the course of making something else the focus, you can have the conversations that are focused on that person, if that makes sense. I have found a ministry with women. We can sit down. They can be the focus. We can talk about the relationship. We can talk about God. We can talk about insecurities and fears and worries. And they just go. Boom, 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 right? Dudes, not all, but many. If you do that, it's just crickets. (laughs) So with guys, you're always good, man. You you have to you have to do the things that Jesus did. Um, and and that's what I love about his story. Uh, it's a beautiful example of, of mentoring and guiding people of how he did things, a lot of things with the disciples, um, shoulder to shoulder. Um, walking into situations side by side. And in walking into situations side by side, um, he was able to teach them on the other side of it. Then they were willing to learn. Then their minds and their hearts were open, um, which is so, so cool when you think about that. And that's the beauty of our wiring. It's beauty of the differences of, of who we all are. It's great. Um, and so, yeah, that's it. Plain and simple. If you don't have a mentor, man, connect with somebody. Um, for godly character. Um, look for humility. Um, don't just look for incredible stats, you know, um, may not be a good call to just find the person who's making the most money or has the new car (laughs) because what they may have done to get there, you don't want to repeat. Okay. They might also be miserable by the way. So you want to look for godly character, right? Like godly, like that, that sense of peace about them. A person of peace is a beautiful thing. And um, the the Holy Spirit will guide you in that, you know, if you're if you're looking for that. And then if on the other side of of a mentor, like dive into what that is, like what are what are the insecurities, what are the fears, what are the worries? You got to get to the heart of those kinds of things because most likely, if someone's reaching out to you, wanting you to guide them, they never got to process those things in their entire lives. Um, I think predominantly, men and women, women can you know we just square off and have the conversation. A lot of dudes, if you feel like you're not getting anywhere and you have someone to mentor, you may have to make something else to focus and then hit the conversation pieces along the way. And don't be surprised if it's really the the discussions you need to have are the most basic things that you may have already skipped over because you're just assuming that's all obvious. It may not be. Uh, And so be mindful of that in the mentoring relationship. That's what I got for you. I love you guys. I love having the opportunity to be able to mix it up with you. 
God bless you guys, and we will see you next week. Bye.